kind of person this was. Could have been Mary Magdalene. Could, could, could have been you and I in the worst of state that we were in. But Jesus, the per it doesn't even tell you how the person looked. Doesn't tell you what the person's lifestyle is. Doesn't tell you where they were. It doesn't tell you what corner they was on. It doesn't tell you what house of ill repute they were in. Maybe I can help you with that one. It doesn't tell you what club that they were in. All it tells you is that Jesus saw something in them that they didn't see in themselves. He is what all we should shout about. The Lord at some point in your life says, come on. Others see the worst in you. But I see the best. Touch a neighbor and say, neighbor, he saw the best in me. Everybody else could only see the worst in me. They only see what I was. They, they only see the X in me. They only, everybody here's an X something. I don't know what you're, but, but it, they only saw the X. They only saw what kind of person that you were. Jesus see you for what he know that you're going to become. Here at Christian Love Baptist Church would like to invite you to our Christian Love Family Life Center located 3515 Hudson Boulevard next door to the Christian Love Baptist Church. You're welcome to join our fitness center with state-of-the-art equipment. Need a place for a wedding reception, family reunion, or conference space? Well, look no further than the Christian Love Family Life Center. We can meet all your needs with the latest audio and video equipment. For more information, contact Miss Patsy at 318-709-8116 or Miss Linda Johnson at 770-371-3466. When you experience the loss of a loved one and you need to select a funeral home, Robinson Family Mortuary is that funeral home. Robinson Family Mortuary is locally owned and operated in the city of Pineville, Louisiana. Robinson Family Mortuary serves the entire community of central Louisiana and surrounding parishes, including Natchitoches, Avoyles, Grant, Wynn, Allen, and throughout the entire state. Robinson Family Mortuary is staffed with over 40 years of tender loving care and experience. Robinson Family Mortuary offers cremation, floral arrangements, headstones, and catering for your repast. For information regarding any of our services, please feel free to contact Dolores or Tyrone at 318-442-7300. That's 318-442-7300. Robinson Family Mortuary. A family serving families. Robinson Family Mortuary is now located at 1815 Military Highway, Pineville, Louisiana. Hours of operation are from 8 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Robinson Family Mortuary, a proud sponsor of this program. Southern Heritage Bank is Central Louisiana's family of banks that provide that personal service in a corporate environment. Southern Heritage Bank is located 5211 Jackson Street. You can phone them at 318-561-2227. Southern Heritage Bank has a full range of services that are available such as online banking, freedom checking, 24-hour bank line. You can phone 1-800-992-7059. And we are an equal housing lender. Southern Heritage Bank promises prompt services without unnecessary hassle. Come in. Let us service your banking need. Again, that all-important phone number is 318-561-2227. Your life is a wreck. Your car is a wreck. Will your family be next? At Hunter & Beck, it's not about the money. It's about respect. With Hunter & Beck, you get experienced trial attorneys. 318-487-1997 or 800 
448-8614. And remember, at Hunter and Beck, you get Hunter and Beck. Thank you for tuning in for today's message with Reverend Larry R. Turner. If you would like a copy of today's message, you can contact the church office at 318-443-8715 to purchase a CD for only a $7 donation. Always remember, it's worth a trip to come and visit Christian Love Baptist Church, 3515 Hudson Boulevard, Alexandria, Louisiana. Welcome to a broadcast of Live Big Ministries, a ministry of Hollywood Presbyterian Church in Shreveport, Louisiana, where Harry Cooper Jr. is pastor and spirit coach. We're located at 2840 Hollywood Avenue. At Live Big Ministries, we are encouraging and equipping people to live in victory every day, believing in God. We worship each Sunday at 1030 and hold Bible study each Tuesday at 630. If you're interested in prayer or counseling, call us at 318-610-0068. You can also follow us at livebigministries.com or on Facebook. Listen now to a recent message from Pastor Harry Cooper. Listen for the word of the Lord. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. God, Yahweh, has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of the Lord's splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. This is God's word for God's people. For the next four weeks, I seek to engage in a series called For My People. 
for my people. I begin with the poem written by Margaret Walker for my people. I encourage you to listen, not just with your head, but also with your heart and your lives. Margaret Walker wrote this for my people. Everywhere singing their slave songs repeatedly, their dirges and their ditties and their blues and jubilees, praying their prayers nightly to an unknown God, bending their knees humbly to an unseen power. For my people, lending their strength to the years, to the gone years and now the years and maybe, and the maybe years, Washing, ironing, cooking, scrubbing, sewing, mending, hoeing, plowing, digging, planting, pruning, patching, dragging, along, never gaining, never reaping, never knowing, and never understanding. For my playmates in the clay and dust and sand of Alabama backyards, playing, baptizing, and preaching, and doctor, and jail, and soldier, and school, and mama, and cooking, and playhouse, and concert, and store, and hair, and Miss Chomby, and company. For the crampled, bewildered years, we went to school to learn to know the reasons why, and the answers to, and the people who, and the places where, and the days when, in memory of the bitter hours when we discovered we were black, and poor, and small, and different, and nobody cared, and nobody wondered, and nobody understood. For the boys and girls who grew up in spite of these things to be man and woman, to laugh and dance and sing and play and drink their wine and religion and success, to marry their playmates and bear children and then die of consumption and anemia and lynching. For my people thronging 47th Street in Chicago and Lenox Avenue in New York and Rampart Street in New Orleans, lost, disinherited, dispossessed, and happy people filling the cabarets and taverns and other people's pockets and needing bread and shoes and milk and land and money and something, something all our own. For my people, walking blindly, spreading joy, losing time, being lazy, sleeping when hungry, shouting when burdened, drinking when hopeless, tied and shackled and tangled among ourselves by the unseen creatures who tower over us omnisciently <laughs> and laugh for my people blundering and groping and floundering in the dark of churches and schools and clubs and societies, associations and councils and committees and conventions, distressed and disturbed and deceived and devoured by money-hungry, glory-grabbing leeches, preyed on by facile force of state and fad and novelty by false prophet and holy believer for my people standing, staring, trying to fashion a better way from confusion, from hypocrisy and misunderstanding, trying to fashion a world that will hold all the people, all the faces, all the Adams and Eves and their countless generations. Let a new earth rise. Let another world be born. Let a bloody peace be written in the sky. Let a second generation 
full of courage issue forth. Let a people loving freedom come to growth. Let a beauty full of healing and a strength of final clinching be the pulsing in our spirits and our blood. Let the martial songs be written. Let the dirges disappear. Let a race of men and women now rise and take control for my people. This first edition of this series is For My People, Good News to the Poor. Good News to the Poor. In the text from Isaiah, it begins, and this text is referenced by Jesus in Luke 4, the text begins, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus, when referencing this text in Luke 4, ends the text by saying, this day is this fulfilled in your hearing. By acknowledging this as a foundation of Jesus' ministry, we began to understand that if Jesus is our divine exemplar, if Jesus is our model for how we seek to engage God and life, then we began to understand that God has some good news for the poor. Now, I don't know if there is anybody here who has ever felt poor. Maybe, maybe you have never felt like you were poor. Maybe you were raised in a way that like Dick Gregory, who didn't have two nickels to rub together, but when he told his mother we are poor, she says, oh no, son, we are not poor, we're broke. And there's a difference between being broke and being poor. Being broke is a situation, being poor is a condition. When, when, when you are broke, you are anticipating not being broke. But when you are poor, you have resigned yourself to a situation of poverty and you begin to dull your desires for anything more. Your expectations begin to fall into your mental revelations and your verbal articulations. What you say, you begin to see, and what you see, you begin to act upon. So the moment you say you are poor... You have now submitted or subjected yourself to a whole ideology and the expectations then, if you acknowledge that you are poor, is that you will forever be poor. And if you have believed that you are poor, you'll act like you are poor. Now, I don't know if your life was like Dick Gregory's mother and you didn't acknowledge that you were ever poor, but I, I believe that if we are truly truthful with ourselves, that there have been some times when we might not have just been broke, we were also poor. There have been some times when we have allowed our mental processes, our life, to begin to um, manifest itself under the rubric, under the guise of what is anticipated by the thought process we have. We begin to think it, we begin to act like it. Maybe you have been poor, but maybe you were not poor exclusively financially. 
Because there are some people who are big balling, shot calling with money rolls, a lot of cars and a lot of clothes, but they are poor on the inside. That, that's what we found in Revelations when talking of the church of Laodicea in Revelations 3. We find that there were those who believed that they were rich. And yet God says, I, I, I charge you to buy of me uh, clothing that has been washed in the fire. You have been thinking you were rich, but you have really been poor. Mm. So it is possible to have money but have no morals. It is possible to have money, but have no connectivity with meaning. It is possible to have money, but have no real understanding that your memories are more important than your money. Now, money can buy an experience. I promise you, if I throw out a million dollars to everybody in this room, everybody in this room is going to have some type of experience with it. You, you, you're probably going to say thank you. And, 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 and somebody might say, well, you know what? Pastor gave us the million. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be robbery to put $100,000 back in the church plate because that is 10% of a million. Am I right? Uh, counters and college students and all that. There you go. Uh, uh, gra college graduates and students and, and rising college students. Um, that, that 10% is, is $100,000. And somebody might say, well, you know what? That's not robbery. I, I went from zero to a million, and all he asked for was $100,000 back. I still can roll with 900000 However... There may be others who said, well, if he had a million, he didn't need this hundred thousand. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know what? I've been given ten dollars a, a month for the last 10 years. Ain't no need to change. It must have been working because now I got a million. It, the, the reality is we're all going to have some kind of experience, however, if given the million. Now, I do caution us and just use this to wrap this little portion up to understand that most lottery winners... Most lottery winners within three to five years are back broke because they did not have the mentality to go along with their money. So instead of using their money to make money, they use their money to buy stuff because all of their life they had been broke and generally had been broke and poor. So their expectation was that soon as I get some money, I'm going to what? I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Soon as I get some money. You see, because oh, I'm, then I'm going to be decked out. I'm going to have all the things I thought I wanted. But rarely will they begin to understand that ha having money does not make you wealthy. You can be rich with money but not be wealthy because the wealthy understand how to make their money make money. So if your money, if you don't wake up with more money than you went to bed with, you're not wealthy. I want you to process that for just a moment. The wealthy have money that works for them while they sleep. They're no longer working for their money. Their money is working for them. So when we talk about manifesting our extreme dream in 2018, the good news for the poor is that you don't always have to be that way. 
but understand the process of the deliverance from that mentality. Some will call it stinking thinking, and I definitely uh, subscribe to that. It is something in our consciousness that begins to direct our behaviors. So, good news for the poor. You don't have to just be financially poor. Maybe someone has been emotionally poor. Emotionally poor is saying to yourself and living with a consciousness of woe is me. Emotionally poor. You don't have any positive thoughts to share with yourself. You have difficulty encouraging yourself. You have difficulty motivating yourself. You have allowed yourself to believe some conscious um, trick of the enemy that you are a nothing or a nobody or you are not important and therefore you begin to just shuffle emotionally like that. Or maybe you've had your heart broken and someone who has had their heart broken more than once will say things like, well, I'll never love again. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Who had their heart broken, somebody turned their back on them, may have used them and abused them, and they said that's the last time, and now they have built a wall. They got a fortress around their heart. And so you could be trying to love them. You could be working to love them. You could bring them roses every day. You can write poetry and sing songs to them every day. But because they have built a fortress around their heart, they can't hear you. And they began to compare you to somebody in their past. They are emotionally poor. They don't nor emotional elasticity. No more joy, no more joie de vie, no more joy in life, no more pressing toward a blessing. They just uh anybody know some uh people? Uh you go around them and all you want to do is not be around them anymore. They are, I used to call them psycho vamps. They're like vampires who just suck, suck your psyche out of you. And you going away just like, oh my God, I got to go home and take a nap now. They just wore me out. You can be financially poor. You can be emotionally poor. But then there are others who are spiritually poor. Spiritual poverty is a sense that nothing in their spirit connects to hopefulness or anything beyond who they are, where they are. Their entire being is just, it's just right here. And they have no understanding that they are a dynamic spiritual force in the universe. That the spirit that runs through the universe also runs through them. That the creator of the universe is also the creator of them. And if you are connected to the creator of all things, what is it that is in, uh, unavailable to you? If God will withhold no good thing, if Yahweh will withhold no good thing from those who love God, and you seem to be going without something in your life, is it because God is not able to give it to you? Because God is fully capable of blessing us in ways that are exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask for or even imagine. But tell me this, why would a loving God give you something? To, why would the loving God give you enough rope to hang yourself? The loving God who loves you and knows what you would do if you had the very thing you think you want that you're not yet ready for. 
how many of us, uh, many of us have children, right? How many of us have children who before they were 16 or 15 asked could they drive? How many of us have, have, have youngins who believed that they could drive when they were 10? <laughs> Just give me the keys. I, Daddy, I'm, I'm ready to drive, Dad. I, come on. I, I, you, why would you give the keys to your car to a 10-year-old? You wouldn't even get the keys to your hoopty to a 10-year-old. And not because you cared about your car, but because you cared about your child. You knew they did not have the judgment that made them ready to go out into the world to do that. And that same way that we would do that with our children, so too does the divine creator do that with us. God knows some of the things that we ask for, we are just not ready for. It is not because God does not desire for us to have them, but it is because God desires for us to have them when we can do something with it. Now, when we become Poor. When we acknowledge our poverty emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, um, and financially, we often feel forgotten. You, you felt forgotten. You felt like nobody, nobody really gets me. No one understands what I'm experiencing. Nobody understands my life. And when, when you begin to feel like that, you, forget, you begin to feel unimportant, rejected, um, um, uh, neglected, like God has just, how could God, this loving God, let me be poor? How could the God who has everything let me feel like I have nothing? And so then you begin to get mad with God. You get mad with God, you get mad with yourself, you get mad with, with anybody and you see, you, you can't never smile because you're so filled up with all that anger, all that venom, because you have allowed yourself to feel like you were poor. And when you felt like you were poor, or when you actually were poor, that poverty in your consciousness led to desperation, poorness, de desperation, you began to get desperate. You begin to do all kind of stuff just to make a buck. Oh, you, you begin just to start shaving the edges just a little bit. You begin to get, trying to get slick. I, I, am I, I'm just, am I, am I saying anything that makes sense to anybody? Uh, when, when you feel like you're poor, you get desperate. You begin to say, well, shoot, it don't make a difference if I do this or if I do that. I got to get mine. And so we find many of our young brothers and our young sisters, when, when, when Margaret Walker talks about for my people, we find many of our people who have allowed themselves to buy into this negative psychosis that the European has, has fed into their consciousness that they are nothing, that they are nobody. If you're black, get back. If you're brown, stick around. If you're yellow, you're mellow. But if you're right, you know you're white. If you know you're white, if you, you know you're right. Anybody ever heard that? I mean, that's just a reality of some nonsense, some baloney that has been served to so many people that they began to believe that. So they began to believe that the history of their self and their familyhood and their personhood begins at, at Jamestown in 1619 without understanding that they came and got you from somewhere. They came and got our ancestors from a land that they were dominating. And when Europeans were still living in caves, our people were building pyramids when they were living in the Caucasoid mountains because they couldn't figure out how to get out 
We were doing building mathematics. We were establishing civilizations thousands of years before them. So we allow ourselves to only see the prism of the last 2,000, 2,300 years through when the Romans began to start trying to dominate and the Europeans started to take stuff that was not theirs. And so we start seeing the lenses through the end result of their bad behavior. When we began to understand the good news from the poor is look back a little bit further than Jamestown. Look back to the kings and the queens from which we have come. Look back to the alphabets that we established, to the hieroglyphics that still exist, that existed before there was even a printed Bible. When we talk about good news for the poor. We talk about good news for those who have been relegated or allowed themselves to feel like they were nothing, that they became desperate. And in their desperation, they started following every little thing that sounded good, that made them feel good. And so they allowed themselves to negate their greatness because they no longer believed that they were great. And all they did was try to get by. We don't have to try to get by. I mean, yes, we got to struggle. I'm, I'm a, a lot of people living on the struggle bus, but understand there ain't no shame to your game because you're on the struggle bus. The only shame to your game is if you can't figure out a way off. If you don't have any aspiration beyond staying on the struggle bus. If you don't have a vision, if you don't have a dream, an extreme dream that places you off, off the struggle bus, then all you're going to do is have a few more dollars and you still be on the struggle bus. So it's understanding that the divine has more for us than we have allowed ourselves to receive and therefore we minimize what we could achieve. For my people. So God reveals or inspires Isaiah to write the text, the spirit of the Lord is on 